Hey, this is Michael Emery. Thanks for tuning into the Slow Baja. This podcast is powered by Tequila Fortaleza, handmade in small batches, and hands down, my favorite tequila. Slow Baja is brought to you by the Baja XL Rally. The Baja XL is the largest and longest amateur off-road rally on the Baja Peninsula. It's 10 epic days, LA to Cabo to LA. Check it out at BajaXL.org. Well, I'm delighted to be here at Adobe Guadalupe with the famous True Miller. Famous. Famous. The famous True Miller. And I just want to say thank you so much for the the warm hospitality. We walked in this morning and uh, immediately had to sit down and have breakfast with you. And then we had to have a little tequila after. So, And uh, we've been treated to a beautiful walk around the grounds. And here we are sitting down to talk about you and your life and how you got to this amazing spot. So let's just jump into it. True Miller, say Please hello. Please go ahead. Hello. Tell me about your journey to get to Baja to create this incredible winery. Yes. It, it really, um, I was married at the time to Donald Miller, who was a banker in um, Southern California, who loved wine. He just, wine was everything. And we used to go on vacations and whenever we could. And uh, he said, you know, when I retire, I would like to have a, a, a winery. Okay, well, that sounds good. Um, so then we started going to San Francisco, of course, and go to um, the, all the wineries over there and learned quite a bit. Went to France, went to Spain, went to Italy to try. And I think we did that for maybe three years or so. And um, it seemed to be all very interesting, and probably the most interesting thing uh, was uh, Northern California, but um, it was very expensive. It was really too expensive, and so um, we started looking for other places, and we found a place in Mexico. And how far did that search take you? Did you go into other wine regions around the world before you came here? Or because yes. you were also in Laguna Beach, so this isn't so far from, from home. That's true. No, no, no. We tried to learn as much as we could. My husband already knew everything about wine, uh, so we really needed to learn a little bit more about plants and earth and all these kind of things. But, you know, he wasn't that interested in, in, in it because he, was a, um, he had a bank. He was a... In, in, in Southern California, and he was really thinking that he was going to enjoy seeing the plants grow and then having the wines. He wasn't thinking so much of working in the fields and things like that. He thought uh, if we were, were to go to Mexico that there were people there that would do a much better job uh, in the fields than he ever could do. Well, absolutely. It's, uh, he's a smart man. Yes. So when you came to the Valle, were they even calling it the Valle in those days, or was it yes, just? Yes, I think I think it was always called Valle de Guadalupe. It was always Guadalupe. Guadalupe was very important for me. Um, I knew everything about Guadalupe, what she did for for Mexico, and what she did for the people, really. And uh, my grandmother was a socialist. wasn't very well liked in the in the family, but I think I have a little bit of of that. And um, really. 
the Lady of Guadalupe on many different levels is so important in Mexico. If I can say uh, for workers or I can say for people who want to learn or people who want to be in charity, I mean, I can just you know keep on going because the Lady of Guadalupe to me uh, is just pretty much everything. And so you came when there were probably a half dozen wineries here in the Valle. That's right. I think Valle about Guadalupe. seven. Yes, I think about that. And did you have a realtor that showed you around? How do you find a How did you find a winery in those days? There wasn't uh, really the internet. You true. weren't surfing was, from home. I thought the Lady of Guadalupe was helping us a little bit in that one because we went uh, and heard about this area in, in in Mexico, which was so close because we lived in in Laguna, uh, Laguna Beach, and um, so we had heard of the Valle de Guadalupe. So we went to Ensenada and stayed in a uh, lovely hotel. And um, again, my husband was always, always wanted to speak with people. Spoke to the owner of the hotel who later became um, the mayor of Ensenada. We spoke to the, during, during dinner and he sat down with us and my husband said, we've heard about the Valle de Guadalupe and we would really like to go. Um, do we fly out of Tijuana or do we rent a car and, and, and go there? Where is it? And so um, <laughs> the, the gentleman said, no. He said, look out of the window and you see those mountains. You go over those mountains and you are in the Valle de Guadalupe. Oh, we said, we can go tomorrow. And then he said, um, you know, I make it even better for you. How about tomorrow morning at 9 o'clock, I have a car for you and my chauffeur who will know exactly where, you, where to take you. Well, when this gentleman became the mayor of Ensenada later, and I, I think last year, I asked him, I said, to how many people in your life have you said, uh, you can take my car and my chauffeur to find the Valle of Guadalupe? And he said, one. He put up his finger and he said, one in my life. I said, thank you very much, because it changed certainly my life. Um, by, by having said that. and uh, Because then we went with his driver, and the driver said, oh, and this is for sale, and this is for sale, and this is for sale. Really? And the prices were really good, which now I think it's much more expensive. But um, we Im immediately said, oh, this looks like, you know, perfect for us. And um, then I think, you know, somebody found us a person who talked to somebody else, and then the notary, and then the attorney, and that was it. And how many how many properties would you say you looked at before you saw this? One. That's Only it. that one. So was there a little divine intervention? Yes. A little of the I Virgin so. of Guadalupe? Because, just... yes. I didn't even think of anything. And my husband, who, who, who usually is a practical person, who would like to see, well, let's see some other places here. Show no, me no, some no. comps. Let me see what other Show things Show me some comps. He never opened his mouth because he saw, I think, in me that it couldn't be any other way, I think. I can't ask him, he's passed away, but I think so because he never, he never mm, questioned it. And I would imagine as a banker, as you said, he is very practical and he probably questioned everything. He probably did. Um, I didn't want to hear that. So. Yes, exactly. <laughs> All right. Whatever he wanted to do was fine. So it does sound like... Um, it was a little bit of love at first sight. Definitely. With the property. Definitely, definitely. Are you, 
are you able to, you've talked to me a little bit about your husband, Donald, are, are you, do you want to talk a little bit about your son and how, how that sure. helped you? Yes, or? I usually don't talk about this very much because I, I well, usually start a, to cry, but it's well, fine if that doesn't bother you. No, and I'll be right there with you, as Thank I said. You. So, Thank you. Because it was true. This is what I'm telling you. It's, to, it's completely the truth, but there's more to it. <clears throat> and I'll be happy to talk about Whatever that. Whatever you want to say yes. about it. I, just, I know it's part of your story yes. and part of the guiding light, the guiding hand that got you here. Very true. And it was very interesting because I'm really not all that religious, and I am from the Netherlands, and, and you know, uh, pretty much with, the f with your feet <laughs> on the ground. But when we were looking for um, maybe a vineyard after uh, retiring uh, in, in Northern California, uh, one of our children, uh, my son, who was studying in Washington, D.C., he said, you know, you know, if you guys want to do something with the winery, um, I would like to take a year off and help you. Well, we thought that was, that was interesting, and uh, we said, okay, that, that sounds good. So he said, you know, I'll, I'll come and meet you, and uh, we'll look at some places. Well, he died then in a car accident, and, um, which is, I didn't want a winery anymore. I didn't want to do anything for maybe about two years. And um, I just went on with my work. I had a, um, a language school and uh, went on with that. And that was just probably every day I had to do that um, until we went you know, to, we heard about the wine, winery area, the Valle de Guadalupe. Of course, we didn't know where it was, but we thought, because my son, the, the, the son who died, loved Mexico. I don't know how he learned Spanish, I don't know what, but he had serapes in his, in, his, in, his, <laughs> in his apartment. He had a little decal of the Lady of Guadalupe in his, in his car, and he liked to go on vacations to, to Mexico and, and, and to Spain, and I think he would like to, he was thinking of becoming an amb uh, ambassador in, in his life, and then something with Spanish-speaking country. So that all kind of fit in, in a strange kind of way. And uh, so all the more reasons when I came here in Valle of Guadalupe, people asked me, um, how come you came here? So sometimes the story of my son came, came up. And then somebody said, after maybe six months being here, and do you have names for your, for your wines? No, I didn't have names for the wines, and how many wines are you going to make? And so we're thinking of maybe uh, six, six wines to make, and uh, with different, uh, a different idea. For, for example, we have a wine that makes you think of southern France. We have one that makes you think of eastern Spain, one that makes you think of northern Italy. Um, and so you need to have names for this. So I thought, um, while we're here, and my son is not here anymore, why not name the wines after the angels? And that made me feel really good. I just thought of it once, and that's what I said. They have to have names of angels. And that worked really well. And it really wasn't done for any commercial reasons at all. It just kind of came. It's quite profound. Yes. And it's worked well. And you've and produced, well. People you've produced some angelic wines, yes. some beautiful wines. Yes, thank you. 
So walking around, uh, Guad uh, Adobe Guadalupe, there doesn't look like you've cut any corners here. This is a beautiful, spectacular, stunning um, creation. Did yes. you have a clear vision? Did you work deeply with an with a architect? This is something else. It was such an amazing time. I mean, really, I, I don't believe in any of this stuff, but you have to because um, how we found the best people to work in the fields. How we then um, spoke to my friend, my Iranian friend in Newport Beach, and I said, you know, it's gonna be great, it's gonna be this, and he said, no, you need a house. Yeah, of course you need a house. And then he said, I'll do the house. And I said, and I thought, oh, you know, I need, um, you know, two bathrooms, I need special this and that. And then he said to me, Nasir, you don't trust me? And I said, of course I trust you. I never changed anything. Not one door, not one light. This is his house. It's a typical a house on the, um, one of those seas north of uh, Tehran, uh, like a vacation house for these really big families, I think. And that's what it is. And then my friend, um, I said, you know, I don't know if I can pay you for all this. He's, a, he's very famous, I mean, he's a famous architect. And he said, I don't want you to worry about it, which to me meant that he's going to help me with this. And so the first time he came, the house was ready, finally. And so I put a plaque um, in the entrance and it says, uh, in, in, in Arabic letters, it says, there's only one God. And when he walked in, put down the suitcase, and he cried. He knew it was for him. And it's right there, I'll show it to you. Beautiful. So it's an amazing story that really didn't start out as an amazing story. It started out as a very sad story. And then it became something really beautiful. Yeah, and it is truly stunning, beautiful. And people who aren't sitting here, true, the tears are coming down her cheeks, and I'm going to do my best not to <laughs> join her in our, our crying. We were just talking no. about baseball earlier. Now yeah, we're on to such true. serious subjects. How, in those days, getting this done, you brought an architect in. Obviously, there are craftsmen here who can who can execute on this magnificent uh, home and and inn that you've built. Tell me a little bit about getting started in the wine business, and where was your first your first start? I know I've already met your engineer, your ag agronomer. Ag how do you say it? Agronomer? Agronomer, excuse yes. me as I'm getting tongue-tied. Agronomer, so we already had breakfast today, but how do, how do you get started in finding an agronomer and then a winemaker? Right. How do you put all these pieces together and get this going in an era, again, when this just wasn't, there weren't 200 vineyards here with 500 people doing these jobs? No, no. I knew I, knew I needed a winemaker. <laughs> and then, you know, somebody else said, oh, but you need an agronomer in order to have the perfect plants and everything. So we found the agronomer and uh, um, the winemaker, uh, my husband, um, who always was used to the best, he then asked and he said, and who is the best winemaker here? Well, the best winemaker here is Ura Costa. And, uh, but he won't be your winemaker because he's one of those flying winemakers that you know, goes to Australia and goes to Spain and France, where he also, you know, helps um, with different wineries. And um, but first, you need an agronomer because you need a person who will buy the plants. Needs to talk to the winemaker which plants we're going to do. That we have to order them, 
and then they, we have to put them in the ground, and then you have to wait. So it all worked out because um, the agronomer, I just asked who was the best agronomer in the, in the valley, and it was difficult to get him, but I got him. And then who was the best winemaker, who, who then wanted to come, he had heard about, he could just you know order any plants that he wanted at that point, to do something new. And we were thinking mostly at the time then to start with Tempranillo, which is a, uh, a grape from um, South East Spain. And he thought that would do really well. And then later, with all the winemakers, we have been going through different uh, varietals that then become famous and things. Like now, um, everybody wants to have maybe um, a, uh, I can't think of the names right now, but everybody wants like something different. And we can try it here because we're not like in France where you can only have this right. kind of wine. Right. Where you can only do this. Here, you still, I don't know for how much longer, but you can grow whatever you want. And if it's you creative. Do a Malbec, you can be creative here. Yes. If you want to do a Malbec, you do a Malbec. If you want to be a Cabernet, you do a Cabernet. And so you can do different things different years. And if you have a lot of money, you can you know, buy more land. We bought a lot of land in Ojos Negros, uh, where we're doing the, uh, the Malbec. And um, because you are so free here, still, I don't know how much longer that will take, because eventually, I'm sure, uh, the, somebody will say you can only do this here and do that, like in France and like in Italy, like the other places. But now it's just, it's a free for all, and I think that's just wonderful. Yeah, really. So you got going with, with Ugo, and how did that work out for you? Did the wine, did great wines come immediately? No, not immediately because it takes it takes a while. So no, I, I understand, but <laughs> right. were the first were the first. Uh, it it just it just it was special, but it was special because we had the best agronomer at the time and the best winemaker, and they would make this, and we would take it. Hugo and I would travel a lot immediately to Mexico City, to Paris, to do all these things, and and show people look what what, what Mexico you know, can do it. It's not only Italy, France, and, 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 and Spain. And so um, he was really very good about that, and I just hobbled in the back and, and did, my, did my deal. And then one day, Ugo came and Ugo said, he was so busy, he was asked, you know, to go to Australia to do this, and he had two winemakers that were helping him, uh, one from Chile and the other one from Switzerland. And he said, I'll give you one these are the best that I have. I give you one of, of, of these people. Like you could give them one. I mean, and so I said, tell me, you're probably going to be Swiss because I'm from Europe and blah, blah, blah. He said, you'll see. He sent me the one from Chile. And his name is Daniel Lohnberg. He is now very famous. And he started with us. And uh, young, with it, light wines. Let's do this. Let's go. And now he doesn't only work for us. He also works for other wineries. And, uh, but I still feel that he's my baby. Yeah, you gave him your, your his first big too. opportunity. <laughs> yes. You've already touched on it, but you've been a phenomenal advocate for Mexico and for Mexican wine. I would imagine that has to be a relentless pursuit to get snobs to realize that these blended wines from this beautiful part of the world that maybe they don't know a dang thing about mm -hmm is worth their time, and, and you've produced some wonderful things. How's that road been for you? 
you know, it was not as hard as I thought it would be. Um, it's, it's a little bit like, you know, I'm from the Netherlands, but I'm from the eastern part, and everything that's happening is in the western part of the country. And so I've always been, you know, oh, guys, come on. You guys haven't seen our castles. You haven't seen this. You haven't seen that. And um, so I've always been a little bit like that, where I want people to see I totally believe in what they're believing, but I'd like, I'd like for them to, to give me a chance to talk about something else. And um, so I'm a little bit used to that. And I did it here, and I just knew. These, I'm not stupid. These wines are delicious. And if somebody says, well, I am from this and that, and I don't need to, and then I'll just say, please, let me just give you a bottle, and you try it. Please, don't even think about anything. Just take that. And so little by little. And then I really talked to so many restaurants and owners who then said, OK, 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 shut up. I'll just put this somewhere. And um, the Mexican people started believing in me. And that was really like such a push for me. Uh, because you can do this for a while, and then you think, ah, forget it. You know, I'll just drink French wine. But um, I could see that this was important for the people. So I think we've done a lot for. Uh, to educate people in the field and then, you know, make people feel proud of what they're doing. And um, I really think, not me, it's just all of us in the wine industry. What is so nice here, I, I, and I, this is so amazing to me, because when you go to France or you go to Spain or you go to uh, Northern uh, California, and you know, the people come and they say, well, I've heard of this other winery too and I like to go there. Here, We'll, we'll call the other winery or we'll say, you know, they're on their way. Whereas in really in many other places, it's like, ah, don't even go there. You know, it's like, oof, not nice here. And I don't know how long we'll keep this going, but until I die, we'll keep it going. We'll give everybody a chance. You know, we have wines now where, you know, you, you make it with the cow in the field and the full moon and the natural thing, you know. and. Um, these people are just as important, if not more, where the world is going. And boy, if I can help by setting up uh, or giving information or, or say, uh, saying, I know this person, let me give them a call. And I think th this is what made me different here, that people realized that I wasn't jealous, that I didn't say, oh, <laughs> don't go to Saipio, their grapes are not even good. And this is important, and I want to keep this going as long as I can. Well, on that, we're, we're going to take a very quick break on that, and then we'll be right back with True Miller and talking more about the wines in Baja. Here at Slow Baja, we can't wait to drive our old Land Cruiser south of the border. When we go, we'll be going with Baja Bound Insurance. Their website's fast and easy to use. Check them out at BajaBound.com. That's BajaBound.com, serving Mexico travelers since 1994. Hey, Baja Tourism is picking up, and our friends at the Animal Pad and Tap Act want to remind you when you're crossing the border, just say no to puppy peddlers. I know they're cute, but the sooner we can end the demand, we can end the supply. For more information, check out theanimalpad.org and Tap Act on Instagram and Facebook. So I'm back with True Miller, and we were just talking about how she is more than happy 
to um, help other wineries, help others in the Valle to to have her her guests experience their wines and their their hospitality. And that's a very rare thing. And I was just discussing um, uh, with Sherry Bondi down in, in uh, Bahia de Asuncion. She's bringing all these people in for whale tours, but she's pushing them out into local restaurants. She's not trying to keep everybody in, in her corral only. Now, do you think, we discussed women earlier and women in business, Drew. Do you think that that's more of a female approach? I do. That's, it's a very thoughtful approach, and it's a winning approach that you're sharing so tell me about your thoughts behind that. I can't obviously talk for all the women. It's just something that I noticed. Uh, last year, it was the year to the woman, I, I think all over the world, but in Mexico and in Argentina, Brazil, in South America, it was very intense. It was very intense in Mexico because the women here have further to go than the women in the United States. You know, they have higher to climb. And uh, it just was a, a feeling that year of women getting together of how can I help you, how can I help you, how can we do this? And that was good, but it wasn't good enough. It wasn't good enough for me because I thought, this is not going the right way. This is too many women helping each other. We, they're men as well. So I really started the last three months of last year to, to, to tell my friends, my female friends, you guys, we gotta do this for everybody. And this is wonderful that we started this. And you know, in Mexico City, we had parades, we did everything, we did whatever you can imagine. I said, but you know, we can go through with this, but we need, we need men as much as we need women. And wait a minute, why? Why did you change? And I said, we have to change, we're gonna die if we do it otherwise. And so this is now really coming up, so this year, it's much more a year of women and men, men and women. And uh, I really like that. And I really believe that last year was such a big year for us to come up. So maybe we're not quite on that line, but almost. Can you tell me a little bit about the, the beautiful tequila that we shared at breakfast? And anytime you get to share a little tequila with breakfast, I think it's going to be a good day. Um, so tell me a little bit about the tequila that you're making, why it's different, and how you came to the name, which I also think is a lovely story, and I'll let you share it. Thank you. Um, again, this is about the women last year, and I wanted to do something special. And um, I think with the angels, I never know if they're men or women, so I mean, I had to let that go. And I was really looking you know, for something else. And then I remembered that when I went to the University of Madrid uh, many, 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 many years ago, um, the first book that you have to read if you're doing something with linguistics or any of that stuff is called Tia Tula. And Tia Tula is um, a story about women that were so, so suppressed that they could not study at the university at uh, Complutense at the time. And uh, this is all, uh, something new that women could go in. This one woman, she wanted, she did her work and she was ready for, um, for her PhD in literature. And uh, she's very excited. She's the first woman who um, was going to be let in, in in this particular university. And uh, the story goes that uh, she's ready to go. And so there's this book about this whole um, project, and uh, it's called Tia Tula, 
and I'll tell you why. And now, if you want to study um, linguistics and certain things on history, you need to read this book because, um, and it's, it's, it's really the freedom of women that, were, that was taken away. Uh, in the book, um, Tula is now ready to go to Complutense and do the last part of her studies there. And then the afternoon before, she gets a phone call from her brother and the brother says, um, I'm sorry, you cannot go to the university. My wife died and I have three children and I need to go all over the place. I'm a politician. You need to raise these three children. And for her, because she was going to be the first woman to be let in uh, in something so special at the university, she had to stop that. 20 years later, she did go. And so she did finish. But this was just something, something amazing. And so it came out that, um, in, uh, and, I, and I put this actually on. on the, the, it's on your tequila sorry. bottle. It's how, your te it's how your tequila is named. Thank you. And then the tequila named after, Tia after Tula. her. Tia Tula. Tia is aunt. Auntie Tula. Tula is Gertrude, really. And, uh, Which is also related to your name. It's my name, of course. And I've, I felt, um, of course, she, she, she's been gone for a long time, but I felt this, this special feeling with her that um, I, I couldn't have done it. You know, you now have to take care of three children, and you have to wait 20 years, and then you can finish what you really started out. I think that's pretty amazing. So the the slogan, even on the, on, uh, the bottle, is um, let me think what it's in, in English. It would be um, I can't remember. Sorry. Well, we'll have to have a little more tequila so we can refresh our memories about the slogan. So I got it. It's to choose. It's better than to be chosen. So go ahead, right? Choose, and then if somebody is not choosing for you that you finally do and comes out okay. It doesn't sound as good now as it should. I'm sorry. Well, I think it, again, it, it maybe it was related to we had the tequila in our hands as we were discussing this the last time. But I will say that I'm, I'm thinking that there's a little parallel here in what you've gone through in your life. You're, you're a child of World War II, and you were telling me a little bit about some of the things that your family went through, and obviously you're from Europe, so that was a very difficult place um, you've overcome a lot and I think so you've built something really spectacular here thank you where does the sense of relentlessness come from there's a there's an elegant relentlessness about you and I can just see it sitting here that you know I know where it comes from it comes from my family and it comes from World War II and the European part because I don't really remember the other parts at all that you know, and my grandmother and everybody else. I mean, they just stuck with it. I mean, it was so hard. World War II uh, in Europe, and you know, I'm from the eastern part of, of of the Netherlands, so I'm so close to Germany. And um, the last two years, uh, so it'd be 43 to 45, uh, were just you know amazing, very very difficult. Not enough food, not enough of anything. Um, people being picked up left and right, um, fathers having to go and, and fight for something that they didn't want to fight for. And if you didn't want to do that, you had to hide. You had to hide in a place maybe. Um, There's so many like um, wardrobes where they made um, 
room underneath in where people could stand and they had to stand up where you know the wardrobe goes over you and then when people come in that they can't find you but of course they came with dogs so they would find you anyway and um, I think oh it's just amazing how especially my family uh, just worked against that and, and and it was pretty amazing and then after the war um, you know it was just so amazing Queen Wilhelmina was the queen at the time of, of the Netherlands. And um, her daughter, Juliana, was pregnant. And so immediately they moved Juliana to Canada, um, where she had you know, the baby. And then um, the people in the Netherlands, you know, the people who have something to say, said to Wilhelmina, um, you cannot stay here, obviously. Um, we're going to take you to London. And she said, no. My people are here, and I am not going to London, and you cannot get me out of this chair. Well, you know what they did? They took the whole chair with her in it and put her in a plane to London where she spoke every night at 6 o'clock. You know, um, people were listening to radios, God knows where, you know, um, about not giving up and not giving in. I mean, this is just, for me, truly amazing. Churchill of the Dutch. Right, and then when she came back from London, she um, the first thing she did, probably did the same chair, I'm not really sure, I just imagined that. Um, she invited, for example, my uncle and another uncle who were working you know, against the Germans, and she said, you know, I want to have tea with these people. First of all, before I see all the other people, the people that were working in the resistance the, in the resistance is the word i was looking for i was thinking of the dutch work with verzet um i want to have tea with these people before i have tea with any other politician i mean is this amazing it's amazing and so i know a little bit about this because we were talking earlier but you had a chance to study you had a chance to go to university yes and you had a chance to see a little bit of the world Yes. doing that. Mm -hmm. How did you get to be a California girl living in Laguna, Laguna Beach? You know, uh, this is really interesting because I was from Europe and I'm from Europe and I, you know, do my things. And then I had an opportunity to become a stewardess for Pan American Airways. Oh, so you start with the best. Absolutely. And this is such an incredible story because um, I thought, well, you know, I'd like to see some more of the world. That sounds good to me. So I signed up and um, I took my first flight on Pan Am to New York from Amsterdam, I'm sure. And then somebody asked me that the other day. And, you know, those aluminum steps that you come down. I come down the aluminum steps and there's this gentleman. He said, uh, are you true, blah, 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 blah? Yes, that's me. And they said, uh, hello, welcome for Pan Am. Here's your green card. Wow. <laughs> I never forgot because I didn't know a green card was so important. He said, be careful, take good care of it, bye. Okay. And of course, it served me so well to stay in the United States, you know, legally. I mean, that was just one of those things. This person showed up and gave that to me with my picture, the whole thing. Amazing. And Pan Am was really something, truly a cut above everywhere. Oh, it was amazing. It was amazing. And I, because of my languages, I was chosen for many things um, to do, to go on um, uh, one of the planes, and they send me if maybe a daughter of a, of a, a president or a daughter of somebody. I once went to, I don't know what country, and I had to wait 
in my restaurant, uh, my hotel, and I, the only thing I had to do was call every morning at 10 o'clock some office to see if the daughter of the president who needed to go to the, to the um, hospital in New York, if she was ready to fly. And so I had 10 days, I think it was by route. <laughs> so you were an ambassador as well and a yes, caretaker. exactly, exactly. So many skills. Wonderful They've served times. you well. Yes. But how did you, at what point did you decide, okay, I can fly out of Los Angeles as, as easily as I could fly out of New York or Beirut? How did you get to California no, and you know, seeing the sun? Yes. Um, I went because I got married to an American person who, um, you know, and you probably remember these times, I hope you do, uh, who had to go to Vietnam because his number was not a good number. At his the draft time, number. His draft he number. He had a bad remember draft those number, times? yes. Yes. His number was lousy. And um, how interesting is this? I forgot about this. Do you really want to know this? I really, you know, <laughs> if you've got the times, because then we're going to come back to terroir and we're going to come back to wine and gastronomy. If we're going to, yeah. but right now we're on your life. Tell us about, tell me about your life, because I know, think it's a very interesting this story. This is very interesting, and, and you know, I forget about these things. Um, I, my husband, my, my young husband, um, finds out he's, he's he's studying oral surgery in Boston, and he gets, you know, the number, and he's just thinking, that's just a number. And then when he saw the number, he definitely had to go to Vietnam. So I said, oh, no, 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 no. I said, I'll just go with you. And he said, no, you couldn't do that, of course, blah, blah, blah. Okay, fine. Then I'm trying to think um, what I could possibly do that he wouldn't have to go. So I have a flight to Paris, first class. I'm working in first class, and there's one person in first class of Pan Am. And uh, they're telling me that this person is an important person from Washington, D.C. <gasps> oh, I think maybe, maybe I can talk to him. And so I thought, maybe I'll talk to him right away because he'll probably go to sleep and he'll wake up in Paris and I have never spoken to him. So I introduced myself and um, I asked if I could tell him this story. And, and um, he, he, he understood, it was fine, fine. And I only asked that, is there a way that I can do something or is there something else that you can do instead of going to Vietnam? And he said, um, well, if your husband is a doctor, um, maybe he could work in public health. And I said, um, oh, great, let's do that. And he said, unfortunately, every important person that has a, a child tries you know, to get that way out of Vietnam. I mean, I'm, sure, I'm sure he didn't say it that way, but it, I think that's what he meant. And I said, um, oh, I, I put, couldn't possibly ask you for anything, but I'm so glad maybe I can this way send something to Washington and, and, and see what happens. And uh, he said, well, just give me your name, blah, blah, blah. I went with my, my husband, because you could do that at that time. I went on a flight around the world because I thought, I don't know when I, when I could do that and I could show him all these places. So we're at my mother's place. This is one of the last stops in the Netherlands, and the phone rang, and he never picks up the phone, of course, this is a totally different country. He picked up the phone and said, just for fun, and he said, da 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 da, and he said, oh, this is wonderful, you speak English, we're calling from Washington, and um, we have a, it says here, we have a spot for you in the public health service, you need to go uh, for two years as a, uh, as a doctor, and we're sending you to New Mexico. Fine, we said, it was Amazing. great. Amazing. Amazing, wasn't it? 
So that's almost <laughs> California. That's right. Was Did there. you ski and you went to Santa Fe and you, <laughs> they did all that? Were stuff. you able to work there? I mean, yes, could, could I you did. Somehow get from New yes. Mexico to whatever. Uh, I worked uh, at the university in El Paso. Okay, so you weren't mm -hmm. flying at that point. No, I couldn't so fly anymore you, right. because I live in El Paso. Thanks, that's exactly yeah, <laughs> I, what I, I was getting could to. Have, no, you could have, yeah, but I didn't. And um, I, I worked at, at, at UTEP. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was very interesting because the man you met this morning uh, was at the same school. <laughs> but I didn't know him. Yes. So you're there. And you've, you've managed to, to we're going to fast forward here because we've spent a couple a little Is bit this of interesting a, a little well i i find it interesting ah, so if it's not interesting well, ah, well people can fast off. forward <laughs> exactly <laughs> so let's get forward to to donald and his love of wine and you're here and you've built this magnificent um I think I've I've read that you built first just uh, rooms for some friends. Yes, I never thought of having it. And then hotel they come once, and like then that. all of a sudden you that say, "That was well, the thing." Now what? That was the thing. You know, I just thought, "Oh, there's nothing here. There's no hotels or nothing." My friends, my friends have to come, and the friends never came. <laughs> so then, I thought we'd do something else. So this is a little question that I have: Why don't why don't better friends come to Baja? I find Baja truly amazing. Why don't more people come? What's your take? My take is that Americans don't like Mexicans that much. So you've been all around the world, and I always joke, why does this country not like that country? Why does that country not like the one on the other side? Why don't the... So what is that all about? You said you've got a plaque, one God. Why don't people get along? Is that too deep? You tell me. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to have more of your tequila to solve these problems. Yes. So uh, you've built the bed and breakfast. Has it been successful from the beginning? You've created great no. wines from the beginning. Yes. No, no, no. I mean, because nobody, you know, the first year nobody came, and the second year somebody came who was lost. <laughs> so the first two years, no. And then uh, more wineries started popping up, and then people started actually liking the wine because the wine then had been um, in uh, The news in has the gotten cellar. out. People yes. have under understood. And, you know, you, then the wines, people realized that the wines after two, three, four, five years, they really did become very, very good. And all of your wines are blended, correct? You're, you're Except one, I think, Nebbiolo. Um, there's one Nebbiolo, which is 100%. So if you were going to tell me about the wine that's nearest and dearest to your heart, mm -hmm. what would that wine, what's, tell me about that wine. Tell me about it's, its soul. Tell me about its character. I don't know all that much about wine, honestly. I really don't. Well, that makes but two to of me, us. That's why I'm letting you do the <laughs> talking. Yes, but I really found that um, when I can think of a region where the um, where the grape comes from, and if I if I like that, uh, it's easier for me um, to drink the wines here. So and and so I did this really, and and it's so easy for me. Um, we have a uh, a wine that has a lot of tempranillo, and it makes me think of um, southeast Spain. We have a wine that makes me think so much. Of the of the provinces uh, in the north of, of Italy, which I love, 
another one makes me think of Bordeaux, just like the Gabriel that we have. To me, it's you drink and you go, wow, is that a Bordeaux? And so, um, like that, that, that's how I deal with it. And it makes me think of the country uh, that, it, that it's like. And then everything, you know, comes, comes up to that. We have a wine that really makes me think of Australia, New Zealand, um, like that. And then we have a wine that we make for the Rosewood Hotels, which of course are the hotels in the world. And Rosewood said, um, geez, uh, can you make a wine for us, just for the people of, of Rosewood? And so we make a Polvo del Mar. And um, I, th I think that is 100% um, Nebbiolo. So I've just taken a glance at my watch here and I realize we've got a little bit of a schedule, so we're gonna wrap up here. But I, I realize that we haven't spoken at all about your other passion, which are your horses. Oh, yes. Can you My tell horses. me a little bit about those beautiful horses that I saw driving? Yeah, it's, a really, it's a beautiful story. <laughs> Sorry. They're such good stories. I'm, I'm here. Let's go. When I went to a study in Spain, um, I always had loved horses, but I didn't really know about these, these uh, beautiful Spanish horses. So I started going weekends you know, to uh, Sevilla, um, and, uh, and, and found these horses. And I, and I met the families that have these horses. And so um, I met a family that I heard uh, went to Mexico, but I didn't think any, anything of it. So when I came here, I realized that um, the people from, from Spain that I had known started a winery here and started um, and brought in these beautiful uh, Azteca horses from Se Sevilla. And so they brought, and so I became friends with the family, absolutely lovely, I'm still friends with the family, I absolutely adore them. And so when they brought in these beautiful Azteca horses that are just fabulous, you know, from, from the south of Spain, um, they realized that here, the mountains that we have and everything, it's, it's too harsh, too big, too grand for these horses. They misstep and they break something. And so we needed to come up, we needed to come up with a, um, a horse that was from here. So what we did, actually they started doing it before I came, became, and then I became part of this, to um, find an American quarter horse, like in, um, in maybe the area a little bit more north in in Arizona, all those places. Uh, we found th these beautiful American horses, and so we put them together, and that then came, we came out with uh, this beautiful Azteca horse that we have. I have 16 uh, of them, and then um, my friends have so many. And my, my friends, they made this the official, um, in 1972, uh, our horses became officially Mexican horses by law. So you've taken a little bit of the world into your wine, mm -hmm. and you've taken a little bit of uh, horses from Spain and yes. horses from the desert region yes. of the United States and created a local yes. best for Baja breed. Tell me about the food here. The food is so amazing, and I, I'm sure you're, you're American, and, and all of a sudden these Americans are coming in and say, uh, can we see the menu? And, Wow, I mean, I've never heard of this before because it was just food. Now it's not just food anymore because the chefs come from Oaxaca, the chefs come from God knows where. They come here and they, and, and, and I heard you say Oaxaca or something, you know? Yes. It's amazing how, how, how Americans learned about this. 
Now we have so many chefs and we have uh, such interesting food. Um, what we do here is everything is fresh. So, um, and we have stuff from Oaxaca, we have stuff from here, from there, but um, everything is fresh. So it's usually fish and, um, and, and, and oysters and strange things that grow in shells. Uh, shells. And um, people come for this now. They come, to, they, they come and they say, what's the menu for tonight? Here, we come up with the best menu we can, and this is what you have. We don't have other, but I can ask you this. If you tell me around 2 or 3 o'clock, you know, then you can see the menu because we know what we have gotten. Uh, here, you cannot say, I want this and I want that. It's, it's five courses every day, but it's five courses every day, whatever is the yeah, best. Yeah, it's the market-driven, the, yes. chef's, the chef's idea, market-driven. Yes. I, I think that's a lovely way to live. It is. It's really a lovely way to live, and I would imagine from here you could source everything that you would ever want to serve within 50 miles, yes. or maybe less. And, and you had breakfast here, so they, they give Which you three lovely, choices. Which was by the way. Thank you. They give you three choices, but it's, you know, that's the only thing we can offer you today. It's a little bit easier in brec uh, the breakfast because it's usually with eggs and ch ch chilaquiles and all that kind of stuff. So we couldn't do that. We can give you three choices. But at night, you know, we have a dinner every night at 7 o'clock with the, with the wine um, that we pair. But um, so you don't really know what you're getting. It's, it's, it's very good because we have very good chefs. I mean, it's pretty easy to get a chef here because everybody wants to be a chef. They all go to school. And then here, of course, with this sea, with this ocean, um, and, and the wonderful stuff that grows in our, our, our gardens, you know, you eat well every night. Right. So uh, we're going to wrap up now. Um, and you've been very generous with, with taking some time and, and welcoming me, me into your, what's the best way? for people who would like to come and stay with you? What's the best way for people to find you? Is it online? Do they have to call? Is it just, you know, yes. easy to find your website? Tell me a little bit about the, the business mechanicals of, I, of getting I, I here and staying so. here. I think so. You know, we are um, Adobe Guadalupe. Yes. And um, I think when you go to Adobe Guadalupe, you also see all my friends are there too. And you, you probably can see now we have a website, so you can see pictures of pretty much everything. And you can now, something very new to me too, you can buy wine online, right? So in Mexico, you can just get it here from the store. We, we ship it, okay. And I think we're shipping it free of charge right now. But um, if you aren't in the United States, we have you know a distributor in Napa. So you can buy everything. It's just a little bit more expensive because yeah, taxes, duties, etc. Yeah, and yeah, then every right. state is different. And I know what you guys do, but everything becomes so expensive. And um, but so you can get all the wines um, through our distributor in Napa, and, um, and all the information is going to be on your website. It's all on the website, and uh, the man is is Tom Bracamontes, and he worked for Mexican wines for all of us very much in the United States. Is doing a very good job, and um, his. Um, his his all his information is 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 on the web. And if the slow Baja audience wants to stay here at Adobe Guadalupe and maybe luck into some of the luck that I had in in meeting you, how often are you around? I'm around almost all the time now. The only time I still have a place in Laguna, and um, I my doctors are there. I have a problem with um, blood, 
and it's, it's in, in my family, so I need to be checked once in a while. And <coughs> I go, and I like to go to um, see a concert, and I like to uh, do certain things in the United States. And so I, I usually go twice a month, and now I only go once a month until, you know, we get... So there's a good chance free. if you're here at, at Adobe Guadalupe, you're going to run into True Miller. Yes, I'm usually here. Well, you've really I like made, it here. You've really made my day special. We have a luncheon to go to, and if you can tell me just one minute about this magnificent party that you've invited me to today, because oh, I think I feel so lucky. It, it's a one-time-of-a-year one party. We work very hard when we, um, uh, when we have the... The harvest. The harvest. Yes. We work really very, very hard, because, you know, you have to do the different times with the different varietals of the grapes, and, oh, my God, sometimes you have to start at 6 o'clock, sometimes you have to work till 11 o'clock at night, and it all depends on um, uh, the, the person, the agronomer you met this morning. He has a little uh, piece of machinery that you look through, and it has to be so many points. And so the people are waiting with their uh, little packages or their little uh, their buckets, They're their buckets the on the side. And then you know you see the agronomer go in, and then he comes back walking, and he says, "23, 23." You want? I think you want. 25 or something, everybody just talks and talks. And then he goes back in half an hour, it's that close. He goes back and then he might say, 25, and everybody goes. Gentlemen, start your engines. Right, and and you know, they work very hard. Everything is by hand, everything then goes to the, oh, I haven't shown you the, the factory yet. Everything goes there and it just, it's it's months. It's, it's probably three months that people are working um, many, many hours. And so we closed up on uh, Saturday around 12 o'clock, and then you have off. Sunday you have off. And then on Monday we have the fiesta. Today. Today. Fabulous. Well, I can't and wait. And it's usually meat and tortillas and uh, uh, lemonade because, you yes. know, we don't want a crazy, a crazy fiesta. But everybody's there. And uh, they just, everybody's happy. It's just another, uh, another cosecha that, that, we're, that we're done. And this year looks good. Um, you know, we have a lot of grapes, and, and so that's what we have here. And then we also own um, land in Ojos Negros, which is the next place where everybody will be going because it's still affordable. And you can buy some land there and grow your own grapes, and you would be a very happy person. Sounds like fun. Well, uh, True Miller, you've been incredibly generous with your time and breakfast, and now off to a fiesta, a little tequila after breakfast. So I just want to say thank you so much for opening your home and your heart to the Slow Baja, and uh, we'll be talking soon. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure to talk to you. The pleasure was all mine. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Hey, you guys know what to do. Please help us by subscribing, sharing, rating, all that stuff. And if you missed anything, you can find the links in the show notes at slowbaja.com. I'll be back before you know it. And if you want to receive notices on new episodes, please follow Slow Baja on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook for you old folks.